This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code HELIXPARTNER20. While you were all busy watching Marjorie Taylor Greene show off Hunter Biden's homemade porn, don't worry, we'll get to it, something more significant was happening on Capitol Hill. IRS whistleblowers were blowing the lid on Biden family corruption. And the most damning clip did not even come from Republicans grilling the tax agents in a committee hearing. The most damning testimony came from a whistleblower speaking to a liberal journalist on CBS News. Did you uncover evidence that President Biden financially benefited from his son's deals? I don't feel comfortable answering that question. Why is that? Anytime we potentially wanted to go down the road of asking questions related to the president, it was, that's going to take too much approvals. We can't ask those questions. And I mean, it created... It created an environment that was very hard to deal with. It's a politically sensitive case. Wouldn't it require additional approvals? Yes, I do understand that, that aspect, but it would be like, well, let's think about it. Let's put that on the back burner. Now, the story here is not that Joe Biden benefited from Hunter Biden's corrupt business dealings. Everybody already knew that. We've seen the receipts. We've read the emails. We've seen the texts. 10% for the big guy. Everyone knows and has known for a long time that the big guy is on the take and selling American influence to the highest bidders, including our enemies. The story here is that CBS aired this interview. The story here is that the liberal establishment has soured on Joe Biden and is prepared, should the opportunity present itself, to push him out of the race. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We, as I mentioned, we will get to the weird Marjorie Taylor Greene, Hunter Biden porn in the congressional committee. We have to get to it. I, don't worry. We've blurred it more even than uh, Congressman Greene did. Uh, but first, speaking of presidents and our adversaries, President Trump is in big, big trouble among the libs and among his opponents on the right, because President Trump here, he goes again, putting his foot in his mouth. He praised Chinese leader Xi Jinping. I love you too. I will tell you that 
But think of President Xi, central casting, brilliant guy. You know, when I say he's brilliant, everyone says, oh, that's terrible. Call him. Well, he runs 1.4 billion people with an iron fist. Smart, brilliant, everything perfect. There's nobody in Hollywood like this guy. I got them to pay us $28 billion because they screwed our farmers for years. And I had the Secretary of Agriculture come up and I said, give me a number. They said, it's $28 billion. Comes back a week later, it's $28 billion. I said, that's a lot. I said, well, we're going to take it from China. I got $28 billion for the farmers. Who got a check? Did everybody get a check? Headline, Trump praises Xi Jinping. There's two layers to this story. It's a very disingenuous headline. But the first layer is when Trump says, oh, Xi is brilliant, which he obviously is. He's a very successful popular leader of a gigantic country that's developed rapidly and that is now challenging American hegemony. Obviously, he's a pretty talented leader. But when he says that, when Trump says, oh, he's big and smart and talented and skilled, why is he saying that? Because then the very next sentence is, and I beat him. He's, he's praising his opponent in the way that a guy who gets in a street fight brags about how big the other guy was. Oh, this guy, he was walking around. He's the biggest. It was Goliath walking down the street. And then me, I went in there and boom, socked it to him. That's right. You, he's really big. And the fact that I beat him means that I'm even bigger and I'm even more talented and I'm even more brilliant. So that's obviously what he's doing here. He's not expressing his political philosophy and his deep knowledge of Chinese history or anything like that. He's just bragging about what a good job he did when he was negotiating with Xi. Okay. Now there's another layer to this, which is at a deeper level, there is a strain of American conservatism that Well, it doesn't like Xi Jinping necessarily. It doesn't love Xi Jinping. It has a grudging kind of admiration and respect for Xi Jinping. And I know that this is going to seem totally insane to the libertarian-minded people on the right. But the, the reason that one might have a kind of grudging admiration or respect for Xi Jinping, even in the West, is because Xi Jinping commands authority. He runs his nation in a an orderly way, and he governs according to some conception, albeit a mistaken conception, of the common good. That's why. Please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just explaining to you that there is a strain on the right that is represented in the intellectual circles on the right. It's represented in the rank and file and the grassroots on the right that admires strong leaders who can run their countries according to their own traditions, according to their own political vision, according to their own conception of the common good, and can resist the imperial liberalism that is, has been attempted to be foisted on for a long time. You see this especially uh, in certain post-liberal circles, in common good conservatives. There was a really good interview with uh, Harvard law professor Adrian Vermeule in the Beijing Review uh, explaining some of the uh, reasons for which an American conservative might look to China and not merely criticize everything, but try to learn some things as well. If you read some speeches of Xi Jinping, some of what he says would fit in perfectly well at an American conservative conference. And so it's true that the libs, some of the, the far left, they like Xi Jinping 
because he's at least nominally a communist. Practically speaking, he's not even really a communist. He doesn't, he doesn't go on and on about Marx and Engels and Lenin and Stalin. But that's why the, the hard left might like Xi Jinping. But the reason why some conservatives might somewhat admire Xi Jinping is because of the reasons I mentioned, because he commands authority, because he's not liberal, and because he's governing according to a deeper tradition. Conservatives, especially of the traditional variety, respect the right of cultures to practice their own traditions within reason, not in a way that is totally relativistic and says, well, if you want to go off into your crazy evil murder land, you know, that's your right because, you know, in in your region, you're allowed to rule as you wish. No, we believe in certain eternal principles and eternal truths, but we have far greater respect for traditions and culture than the liberals do, the liberals who want to homogenize everything and and govern according to whatever the, the ideological fashion is in 2023. That's why. I, I don't know that Trump was getting at that deeper philosophical. He might have just been bragging. But Trump, being a representative of the populist right and being a voice, witting or unwilling, for a more traditional classical conception of conservatism and politics, I wouldn't be surprised if just in his gut he recognizes, oh, it's good to have an orderly society. A lot of what China's doing is really bad. We would not want to do that here in the West. We don't really have much of a tradition of doing that here in the West. But it is good for the law and for the government to command authority and govern in a way that is consistent with a national tradition. That's why. Don't shoot the messenger, but that's a real strain. And by the way, that's the strain that's gaining on the right, far more so than the quasi-libertarianism of the past 30 years, which is, oh, do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't affect me and I don't need to pay more taxes for it. Yeah, you can chop people up and you can go do whatever weird stuff you want in the street and you can you can completely redefine all of education and culture. Just, just don't make me pay for it. That very shallow view of politics, that's on its way out. And the deeper, more classical, traditional view, that's on the way up. And when that does finally emerge as the dominant force in politics, you're going to want to look good for it, okay? And when you want to look good, you got to check out GenuCell. Right now, head on over to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Our friends over at GenuCell sold out of their dark spot corrector, and our listeners have been begging, begging like dogs for a restock. Well, I've got great news. Just in time for summer, it's back in stock. GenuCell's famous dark spot corrector has not one, but three cutting edge ingredients. Goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, even old discoloration, both on your face and hands. You can now enjoy your summer sun, beach, barbecues without any embarrassing spots. GenuCell's most popular package also features their summer essentials, such as their best-selling ultra-retinol moisturizer with a powerful retinol alternative for safe use in the sun. You will be amazed at how quickly you see the results, or you get 100% of your money back guaranteed. I love this company. I love the owner, great Coptic Christian from Egypt who left Egypt for the American dream. Head on over to GenuCell.com slash Knowles right now. Get your dark spot corrector in the GenuCell most popular package, GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Save over 70%, 7-0, off GenuCell's most popular package. All orders will include a mystery luxury gift. Ooh, well, supplies last. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Speaking of conservative messages for the Trump campaign, Steve Bannon showed up a few days ago at the Turning Point Action Conference, and Bannon went pretty far in the theme for the Trump campaign. This is a crusade 
This is a holy war against the deep state. Donald Trump is our instrument for retribution. I don't want to hear Glenn Youngkin in a vest. I don't want to hear Kemp with his George axe. I don't want to hear it. Donald Trump is our instrument for righteous indignation. But Steve, what do you really think? <laughs> I just wish he wouldn't be so reticent. You know, he's such a wallflower. What do you think? It's a holy war. It's a crusade. What's going on? Bannon was the top strategist to Trump for at least part of the 2016 race. He worked in the White House for Trump. He left the White House. He was sort of booted out, but then he came back into Trump's orbit. So what exactly is going on here? Is this the Trump campaign theme? Is this just Steve Bannon going off? Is What this is, is the Trump campaign testing campaign messages and campaign themes without it coming out of Trump's mouth. That's where we are right now. We are so early on. I know a lot of people want to say the primary is over, the election is over, just move on, it's all done. We are so far away, not only from the general election, but even from the Iowa caucuses. This is still silly season in politics. And so you're going to see Trump and DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy and other guys just throw spaghetti at the wall. And one safe way to do it, as I've pointed out before, this primary is is defined, I think, by everyone playing it safe right now. Trump's not showing up to a candidate forum with Tucker Carlson. Ron DeSantis is, is playing his, his role as Trump 2.0. He's not veering too far off that script, which has proven to work in the past. Uh, the only candidate who is really getting a little bit eccentric and creative is Vivek Ramaswamy. And he's, he's the only one being rewarded for it too, because his poll numbers are increasing pretty dramatically. Everyone is playing it safe. All the other candidates who are in the single digits right now, they're just playing it safe. So the safe way to test out campaign themes is to do so through surrogates like Steve Bannon. We'll see if that one plays. It might be a little bit much for uh, the, the voters in Pennsylvania and New Hampshire, but maybe not. It depends how fervent the populist appetite of the country is right now. The libs, for one, do not like this kind of talk about holy wars and, and crusades and cultural wars. Uh, Tommy Tuberville, the Republican senator, has been holding up some defense appropriations and, and uh, promotions of people in the DOD because the DOD has gone super woke and the Pentagon is spending its time not fighting terrorists, but worried about white rage and every other woke fashionable ideology. So Tuberville is saying, hey, we got to get this nonsense out of the military uh, or I'm not going to give you your promotions. David Brooks, the kind of conservative by liberal standards, but kind of just center lib columnist, he took Tuberville to task and he said the military is no place for a culture war. This was a, a bipartisan enterprise. What do you make of this effort by Republicans to use this bill as a, as a cudgel in the culture wars and to really virtue signal to members of their base? Yeah, I mean, there are two things going on here. One is the amendments, which I'm basically fine with, like having the Pentagon pay for people to travel for abortion. That's a policy choice. The Pentagon made a policy choice. It's based on a set of philosophies. And there are, some other Republicans have a different philosophy. And so they can try to vote it down. And that's fine. That's, to me, that's the democratic process. The terrible thing that's happening is Senator Tuberville is blocking promotions until he gets his abortion policy correct. And that just weakens the military. It's fine to have a debate. It's fine to have amendments. It's fine to have a, a policy process. It's not fine to weaken a, our military because of your philosophy. Did you, did you follow that? I had a little trouble following that. He started out fine. He said, 
look, the, the libs who are running the DOD, they want to fund abortion all over the place. And if a state passes a law to protect unborn babies, it, it's, it's fine for the military to spend your taxpayer dollars to circumvent those duly passed laws by paying to murder babies in other states. That's, that's, look, that's their philosophy. And look, Tommy Tuberville and the Republicans, they have their other philosophy and they want to fight that out. They want to duke it out. That's fine. But what's really awful is that the Republicans are actually fighting. Look, it's fine to have a debate. This is what David Brooks was saying. It's fine to have a debate as long as the Republicans lose. It's okay. Look, the Republicans don't want to murder babies. The liberals at the Pentagon, they fanatically want to murder babies. And so it's fine to go to the Congress and you can have your debate on the C-SPAN cameras. That's the democratic process. But the conservatives actually winning and actually fighting, that's not the democratic process. That's very, very undemocratic and very, very bad. What democracy means is that we have a facade of a debate. We have a pretend debate that the conservatives always lose and the, that the conservatives always fight without any actual strength or prospect of winning. David Brooks was once considered the conservative at the New York Times. In, in some quarters, David Brooks is still considered kind of a conservative which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because David Brooks's role was to go to the New York Times and be the kind of pretend conservative, but then give up all the conservative priorities and gracefully lose or concede those priorities so that the libs always win, so that you have the appearance of a debate, so that you have the appearance of democracy, but you don't have to deal with the actual consequences of that. This is what the libs do all the time. This is why when the voters of Hungary go out and they overwhelmingly elect a conservative government, that's a threat to democracy. This is why when the voters of Italy go out and they overwhelmingly elect a woman who campaigned as a conservative, she hasn't really governed as a conservative, but she campaigned as an ardent conservative, and then she wins, that's a threat to democracy. Same thing with the Brexit, same thing with the elections in Sweden, same things with the elections in Trump. We're, we, the conservatives, are supposed to just not only lose graciously, but basically concede. We're not even really supposed to fight. Okay. And a lot of conservatives in the last five, six, seven years, around this time that you've seen the rise of the populist movements and Trump and Brexit and Maloney and Orban and Sweden and movements all around the West, that we've been told that's the greatest threat ever. And, and this is why you're seeing the bureaucracy in Brussels and in Washington, D.C. come in to try to undermine those victories. Because for the first time in a very, very long time, the conservatives are actually fighting and actually winning. Now, speaking of the culture war, Jason Aldean is canceled. I don't follow a lot of popular music. I've heard Jason Aldean is a great guy. We have some mutual friends. Had never listened to his music actively. I don't listen to really any pop music actively. And Jason Aldean had this song. All I heard about it was this song is racist and controversial and awful and terrible. And so it's been pulled from country music television. So I said, okay, I guess I got to listen to this song. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. 
Okay, goes on, but you basically get the gist. There's the verse, there's the chorus. And this is deeply, terribly, awfully offensive. According to, here's a writer for a raw story, liberal outlet, Mark Chapman, I'm sorry, Matthew Chapman says, I'll say this much, this song absolutely captures everything about the American right, from the paranoid threats of violence to the irrational fetishization of communities where everyone acts and thinks the same to the fact that the singer in fact, grew up in a city. I guess he grew up in a slightly larger town. Okay, the guy's a popular entertainer, all right? I think you can have a little artistic license. The paranoid threats of violence. Paranoid, meaning we think there, there are threats where there are none. After BLM burned down the country for eight months, after, I'll just speak from my own experience, after Antifa tried to blow me up in Pittsburgh like two months ago, and the FBI finally arrested them, and the DOJ has charged them. After increasing violence in all of our cities, and specifically increasing violence against conservatives, the irrational fetishization of communities where everyone thinks and acts the same. First of all, who, who do you think is a bigger promoter of homogeneity right now in culture, the left or the right? Who's the one pushing that, that same rainbow flag on every community around the country? Who's the one insisting on the exact same standards and norms and behaviors for everyone around the country? A blanket kind of censorship for anyone who differs from the prevailing orthodoxy of the day. Is it the left or the right? It's obviously the left that's pushing all of that. But people are, are getting wrong, I think, why Jason Aldean was, was censored. People think it's because he talks about you know, how to fight off the people sucker punching people on a sidewalk and the carjackers and the liquor store robbers. That is not why. We'll get to why in a second. First though, speaking of guns, when you want to just shoot your meat full of fire, you got to check out Grill Blazer. Right now, go to grillblazer.com slash Knowles. Use promo code Knowles. Grill Blazer's grill guns are designed to do everything from lighting my cigars to lighting my other cigars. You could also use them to expertly sear your meat, light charcoal grills, wood stoves, outdoor fireplaces, just about anything you can think of for which you would need high power fire. Grill Blazers offers two types of grill guns. The Grill Gun Basic is a high power propane torch designed to light charcoal and wood grills and smokers. Burns up to 3,600 degrees, which is the average temperature of Phoenix, Arizona in the month of July. Its 30 inch flame is for anything that you need a big bad torch to do. And then there's the cute little sous vide gun. It's got a little bit of a shorter barrel, perfect for professional culinary kitchen uses from gently carmonizing brûlé or other sugars and fruits to rapidly searing steaks outside on the grill. Using the grill gun may result in extreme grill envy from your neighbors, so user discretion advised. Get your grill gun from Grill Blazers today. Let the grilling adventures begin. Grillblazer.com slash Knowles. Use promo code Knowles for 15% off your order. Grillblazer.com slash Knowles. Promo code Knowles for 15% off your order. Folks, I've got some fantastic news for you. Have you ever wondered what it would have been like take a stroll through the Capitol on January 6th, the worst day in the history of this or any republic. Maybe what it's like to take a walk on the surface of the sun. Well, you're in luck because my guest on Michael and 
has firsthand experience with at least one of those things and claims firsthand experience with both of them. Don't miss the first sit-down long-form interview with Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, since he was released from jail. They call him the QAnon shaman. They call him the horn hat guy. He's the man from January 6th. Check out this teaser. You were in um, solitary confinement for, for ten and a half months. Ten and a half months. That seems like torture. And I experienced some miraculous things in solitary. I'm freaking out. I'm in a cell. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what the hell? And I had a Bible in my hand. I said, I need you to speak with me. So I, I close my eyes. I open the Bible. I point to a random verse. And the verse was, I am yours and you are mine. I have redeemed you and called you by name, O Jacob. Oh, yeah. What is a shaman? What is a woman? What really happened on January 6th? Find out in this trippy, dippy interview, which is out now. The big tech approved version of this two and a half hour interview is on YouTube. But be sure to catch the full interview, the uncensored version. That is only available on Twitter at M. Knowles Show and Daily Wire Plus. There you can watch the whole thing. Some of the big tech oligarchs don't want us to show you. Now, speaking of censorship, Jason Aldean is censored for this song, Try That in a Small Town. People think, as they call it, racist and, I don't know, sexist probably and paranoid and right-wing and all the rest. They think that he's talking about the lyric, sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. That's not what he's talking about. It's pretty amazing that the libs are now openly defending sucker punching somebody on a sidewalk, but that's not that's not what irritated them. What irritated them is that last two words, small town. What they, what they don't like is that he's defending small towns. Because when you defend small towns, what you're defending is federalism, subsidiarity, the idea that different communities are going to have different traditions from you in, within your own nation and among all of the nations. When we can respect people people's right to engage in certain cultural traditions and not seek to impose all of our culture, every single aspect of our culture, everywhere else in the world. Subsidiarity, very conservative, very Christian principle. Also, because it's those, those small towns that are, are the impediments to the libs just taking over and controlling everything. And what's the smallest unit of the small town? It's the family. So the libs constantly try to destroy the family, ultimately. The libs try to destroy local rule and subsidiarity after that. Then the libs take away state rights. And then then the libs even try to give away national sovereignty so that we're just living in some big liberal global blob. That's the problem. It's nothing to do with racism or violence or anything like that. The libs hate the deepest theme of the song, the small town. Speaking of libs wanting to make their cultural radicalism a matter of national and even international policy, we have to turn to Assistant Health Secretary Dick Levine. Uh, Dick Levine has just engaged in an interview with Nightline where he extols the importance not merely of the, the rainbow LGBT agenda, not merely of embracing transgenderism, but specifically of transing the kids. What would you say to folks who think, that they're being reasonable by saying, why can't children just wait till they're 18? Adolescence is hard and puberty is hard. What if you're going through the wrong puberty? What if you inside feel that you are female, but now you're going through a male puberty? 
what if inside, let's just take his question as he asks it. What if inside you're going through female puberty, but you at a non-physical level feel that you're a male? You know what will happen in almost every case? You'll grow out of it. That is what will happen. I'm not denying that some people feel confused about their sex and gender, but if you have those confusions, just statistically, and then you go through puberty and you just act normal for a little while, in the vast majority of cases, those feelings of confusion will just go away naturally. And then you won't need to worry about all of the terrible things that come along with the transgender transition, like osteoporosis, like, I don't mean to laugh, it's just so dark, osteoporosis, like sterilization, like anxiety and depression and suicidality to the tune of 41%. That, that's what would happen. In virtually all cases, you just get better. But let's take his ideology to its logical conclusion, because he's got a little bit of a point here. He's got more than a little bit of a point. Why would you want someone to go through the wrong puberty? If we as a society at any level in any way hold that transgenderism is true, then we must believe that a child can go through the wrong puberty. Now, transgenderism isn't true. Men can't really be women. And so it is not possible, it is not logically possible for a child to go through the wrong puberty. Any puberty that a child goes through is by definition the right puberty if we hold the view of human nature that pretty much everyone held for all of human history everywhere in the world. But if you are even of the view that, well, you know, look, we shouldn't trans these kids, but once they turn 26 or 30 or something, then they can do whatever they want because, you know, look, maybe they are really born in the wrong body or something. Maybe a man really can be a woman. If you hold that, then it is the case that a, a boy can go through the wrong puberty, a girl can go through the wrong puberty. And in that case, to Dick Levine's point, that would be cruel to force a child to do that. When, when there are medical ailments that a child faces, we do our best to treat and cure those ailments. Not just for adults, but even for little kids, even in, in utero. When, when there's a medical problem with a baby in the womb, surgeons can now operate on that baby in the womb. So why wouldn't we do that for a kid who's going through the wrong puberty. The reason we wouldn't do that is because it's not possible. And so we've got to be clear on it or you're never going to escape transing the kids. To put it succinctly, for the good of society and especially for the good of the poor people who've fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely, the whole preposterous ideology at every level. There's no middle ground. If you seek a middle ground in any way, even to allow a 50-year-old man to pretend to be a woman in public life, if you grant that premise, you're going to end up where Dick Levine is right now. And you're going to insist on pumping little kids full of hormones and castrating them and chopping their body parts off. You have to do that. That is the logical consequence of that mistaken premise. Have I made myself clear these last three or four months? Speaking of weird sex stuff, I said I would get to it. I guess we will. Marjorie Green, Republican congressman, just featured quite an obscene and pornographic display in a House committee hearing. She was referring to the evidence that was found on Hunter Biden's laptop, which showed that he paid a hooker 
out of his law firm's bank account. And she featured semi-blocked out, semi-censored images of Hunter engaging in weird sex acts with said hookers. Uh, We here at The Daily Wire at The Michael Knowles Show have blurred it out even further. This is a family program. Here is what Congress Lady Green had to say. I will uh, let uh, Ms. Green wrap up in five seconds, and then uh, I'll give Mr. Mifume additional time. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Shapley, you, you started an investigation into Hunter Biden, codenamed Sportsman, which opened in November of 2018. Um, it, it was an offshoot of an investigation the IRS was conducting into a foreign-based amateur online pornography platform. Um, this this is evidence uh, of of Hunter Biden making sex. Excuse me, this is my time. Coming making pornography. Should we be displaying this, Mr. Chairman? Get, 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 get the committee, get a lady. Should we be displaying this, Mr. Chairman? This is obscene. This is pornographic. You hear the Democrat off camera yelling and screaming and crying because Marjorie Green is showing censored pictures of Hunter Biden engaging in an oral sex act. Okay. Fair enough. Liberals in the media started whining immediately after the Congress lady did this. And I agree. I totally agree with the criticism. It's obscene. It's pornographic. It has no place in the House of Representatives. But unfortunately today, those same people who are raising all of those objections, they're insisting that more graphic displays of even more obscene and depraved sexual acts belong in elementary school classrooms. Because all those very same people who are clutching their pearls, (gasps) how dare you, Congress Lady Green, how dare you show a censored picture of Hunter Biden engaging in some sex acts? Those very same people are promoting Gender Queer, the book by Maya Kababi, in elementary school classrooms. And when conservatives like Ron DeSantis go in and they say, no, we're going to ban that book from elementary school classrooms because it's depraved gay porn showing more depraved versions of the same sex acts that Marjorie Green showed censored at the House of Representatives, they say that belongs in kindergarten. That belongs in your elementary school library. So can the Democrats please explain to me why this kind of pornography has no place in the House of Representatives to be viewed by adults as a a matter of debating national policy and national political scandal, but it does belong in the classroom of five-year-olds in an even more obscene way. Why is that? Something tells me they're being a little disingenuous about their opposition to pornography and obscenity and the pearl clutching. Look, man, I'm all for it. We have obscenity laws on the books, I think we should enforce them. We have a long tradition in America of banning pornographic and obscene materials. I think pornography is one of, if not the biggest, basically not spoken of social problems in the country because it's ubiquitous and it puts people in a state of perpetual mortal sin and it puts a huge percentage of the population in that state and it's very difficult, it's actually impossible to have a good republic when you've got people constantly engaging in vice that's degrading. So I'm all for, let's do it, baby. Let's ban this stuff from, certainly from the Congress. Let's ban it from all sorts of places. But you want to put it into elementary schools. So what the left tells me then is it loves the obscenity. It loves the depravity. It loves the pornography. It wants to present all of this stuff to the most innocent people in our country. It just doesn't want to get caught in the act 
of the consequences of that depravity. The, the country that presents porn everywhere is the country that becomes a nation of Hunter Bidens that actually does this stuff. But they want to cover up the consequences. They want all of the titillation. They want all of the degradation. They just don't want to get caught in their own depravity and corruption. Of course. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com Shapiro. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com Shapiro. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. CarShield.com Shapiro. That's carshield.com Shapiro. Now, speaking of students... Really shocking footage just came out of Canada, America's top hat. Canada has a teacher in Windsor, Ontario, an elementary school teacher caught on tape berating Muslim students for having committed the, the sin of skipping LGBT LMNOP Pride Day. You need to understand how hurt and disappointed we are take that home to your parents because they're the ones who made you stay home. It was an incredible show of hatred. And it is sad. It was hatred towards a community of people. And it was incredibly disgusting to have witnessed. I do not want to be a part of this school. <laughs> okay. This woman, this woman is yelling at kids who are 10 years old at the oldest. She might be yelling at five-year-olds. We don't, it's only audio, so we don't know which age of elementary student she's yelling at. She's yelling at Muslims for being Muslim. She's yelling, and it, it, she's not singling out Muslims. She, she is in the sense that they are the students who didn't want to show up to the Pride Day. But a Christian student practicing his faith wouldn't want to show up to the Pride Day. A Jewish student practicing his faith wouldn't want to show up. An Orthodox Jew wouldn't want to show up to the Pride Day. A, a traditional, just kind of normal agnostic wouldn't want to show up to the Pride Day. And she's saying, hey, you, you disgusting, you're, it's disgusting. If you believe in God and the Bible at all, if you believe in traditional morality in any way, you're disgusting, 10-year-olds. I'm dis- I don't want to be part of this school anymore. The lesson here is not just that the libs are preying on little kids and they hate Christianity and, and even the associated Abrahamic religions. The other lesson is that politics makes strange bedfellows, which we'll get to in a second. First, though, despite the lackluster economy, the Daily Wire is thriving. And not only that, 
we're hiring. We are currently looking for a graphic designer to join our fast-growing creative department. As a graphic designer, you will collaborate with copywriters, creative directors, and other designers under the guidance of the executive creative director to craft show assets and thumbnails for a variety of media. To excel in this role, you will need proficiency in Adobe Creative Cloud, experience creating engaging web graphics, keen attention to detail, and excellent communication and collaboration skills. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. If you are interested in joining our team, go to dailywire.com slash careers. That is dailywire.com slash careers today. My favorite comment yesterday is from Dr. Calibrations 7984, who says, uh, quoting me, once Trump is dead, they'll dig him up and indict him. Rare Michael Knowles L. The libs would not indict a brand new liberal voter. Great point. You're, you're so true about that. They will indict Donald Trump every remaining day of his life until eventually he dies. But then they will start to really like him once he dies because that will be when he registers as a Democrat. Great point. You make a great point. Back to the lib teacher screaming at the Muslim students in Canada. An important lesson, and it gets back to what we were talking about at the top of the show. Politics makes strange bedfellows. So in this case, we spent 15 years of my life, from about 2000, 2001 to 2015, call it, 14 years. The conservatives in America were broadly opposed to Islam because we were fighting a war on terror, uh, because of the 9-11 terror attacks, because we believed in the idea that there was a clash of civilizations between Christianity and Islam. With some good reason, let's not forget, uh, Islam has been attempting to invade the West with more and less success since about the 7th century. Let's not forget that the Battle of Poitiers was fought 150 miles outside of Paris, not Mecca, in the early 8th century. Let's not forget the Battle of Lepanto, another attempted Muslim invasion of the West. Let's not forget the Battle of Vienna, another attempted Muslim invasion of the West. So there is precedent for that. I'm not saying that the conservatives were totally crazy. But now in the year of our Lord, 2023, do you think as a conservative that the biggest threat to your civilization comes from Islam? I certainly don't think that in America. In fact, in many ways, I think I have common cause with Muslims who, despite our theological and cultural differences, oppose the radical sexual ideologies coming out of the left, as you heard on that tape from Canada, as you see at a community board meeting in Michigan when it's the Muslim board that's saying no to the radical sexual ideological agenda of the left. Now we've got common cause. You're seeing a similar, similar thing play out here when Trump praises someone like Xi Jinping. Does that mean that we love Xi Jinping? We love the Chinese communists or the Chinese pseudo-communists, the party that used to be much more communistic but is now, I don't know what it is, just totalitarian broadly. Uh, no, it doesn't mean that we are are in, in line now with the Chinese communists or anything like that. But it does mean that politics makes strange bedfellows. And when you see a ruler in China saying no, also to that very same radical leftist sexual agenda, we say, oh, there's some common cause there. When you see a leader in China who's at least speaking of the common good, who's at least speaking in a way that is vaguely reminiscent of the classical political tradition in the West, that crucially opposes liberalism, then conservatives can recognize that in at the very least in that narrow case, we've got some kind of common cause there. Politics makes for strange bedfellows. And the people who are politically shallow 
will get very angry about this. They'll pull their hair out. They'll say, hold on, 10 years ago, you opposed this person or this idea or this group of people, but now you're making common cause with that thing against this other thing that you now perceive to be a greater, more urgent threat. But people who have been around politics for a while, who have thought about politics for a while, will say, yeah, that's politics, man. Politics is the application of eternal truths to changing circumstances. Politics is a practical art and science that involves real people and real geography and real economies and real cultures and real stuff in history, in time and space, which changes. It's not frozen. It's not frozen in amber. Now, all of a sudden, you look at those Muslims up in Canada and you say, hey, fellas, you're a lot closer to the right track than the crazy leftists that are destroying America's top hat. Speaking of Muslims and foreign policy. Travis Scott has just had his concert canceled in Egypt. Who is Travis Scott? I don't really remember. I only remember him as being this kind of eccentric popular musician who performs bizarre occult rituals and uses satanic and occult imagery in his public performances. Overt imagery. This is not a satanic panic looking for devils under every rock. This is very overt. The stage for one of his concerts was was a depiction of Hieronymus Bosch's, you know, uh, hellish images. And he he regularly uses this kind of satanic language and, and imagery. So anyway, he was supposed to perform a concert at the Giza Pyramid, and uh, Egypt just said no. Egyptian authorities said, no, thank you. We don't want your weird occult satanic stuff. Uh, Since the general syndicate is part of the fabric of this beloved country, it is keen on its stability and security and refuses to tamper with societal values and Egyptian and Arab customs and traditions based on research and documented information about strange rituals at Travis's concerts that are inconsistent with our authentic societal values and traditions, the board of directors has decided to cancel the license issued to hold this type of concert that contradicts the cultural identity of the Egyptian people. Very based, very good, wonderful stuff, and we should we should seek to emulate that sort of thing in the West. Similar to Trump saying a nice thing about Xi Jinping. Does it mean now that we want to model our country after Egypt? and the Muslim leaders of Egypt. No, it doesn't. But they're right about this issue. Just like Xi Jinping can be right about a thing or two also. And in political humility, we can look toward other cultures and and try to take the best of what they're doing and try to learn from them. And in the West, in recent years, the occult imagery that has cropped up is so bizarre and so over Sam Smith dancing around as a devil all of this kind of imagery. It's much more prominent in the West than it used to be. And we we seem to have lost the ability to say no to it. Now we have Baphomet statues inside public spaces, inside government buildings, well, in the name of religious liberty. Now we have satanic clubs in elementary schools. We've reported on it on this show before, openly, overtly. And why is this happening? Because we in the liberal West have lost the ability to say no. And other nations that many of the liberals would deride as authoritarian, ironic because the liberals are much more authoritarian than anybody else in the country, certainly more so than the conservatives. Some of those other nations that have a deeper political tradition and that look a little deeper than 
consent as the be-all and end-all moral criterion for public policy, and who recognize that there are other things and other virtues to take into account as well in policy. They just look at that and they say, oh no, you got the satanic singer and he wants to sing by the pyramid? Yeah, no thanks. That's not in line with our values in Egypt. Conservatives, I think, need to learn that lesson. We need to be able to say, no thanks. Religious liberty doesn't give you, religious liberty, certainly not as the founders and framers understood it, doesn't give you any right to have a Baphomet doll in a public space, doesn't give you a right to practice Satanism, doesn't give you a right to have a satanic club in an elementary school, doesn't give you a right to perform all sorts of other sick, bizarre rituals that are sometimes overtly occult and sometimes are merely uh, implicitly so in the weird ideologies that the libs are forcing everywhere, especially in the month of June. We should just say no to that. And we need to, we need to figure out, well, on what, what grounds can we say no? Liberalism exalts consent and individual autonomy above all else. And the consequence of that is it erodes the cultural foundation that allowed it to operate in the first place. Well, what are we going to replace that with as we think a little bit more deeply about what it means to be a conservative, what it means to be an American, what it means to live in the West, which used to be known as Christendom? This is Theology Thursday, baby. And we have a special guest here, all the way over from the Tim Pool Media Empire. We have Mary Morgan coming on the show. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.